0: الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما خلقت الجن والإنس إلا ليعبدون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذاق طعم الايمان من رضي بالله ربّا وبالاسلام دينا وبمحمد الرسولا او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters Allah tabaarak wa ta'ala has a system in place for this dunya. There is a system which is a visible system and then there is part of that system which is hidden, which is unseen. But there are many things that we don't see yet we accept. We are in this world of technology And there is this wireless system that has almost connected the whole world. From one end of the world, one corner of the globe, somebody is connecting to somebody else in another corner of the globe. This person has got just a cell phone in his hand. That person has got a cell phone in his hand. Both are not connected to anything else visibly, but they are talking to each other thousands of miles, thousands of kilometers apart. Now how are they connected? There is no wire running from that person's phone through to a line and that's been connected down like the normal land lines that you can trace a connection all the way. Under the seabed is a major line that is running and then connects one country to the other. Fiber optic cables and all these kinds of things. But in the cellular technology, this is all wireless. So we are living in a wireless world, we don't see the connection, but we believe in it. We believe there is a link from this person talking from the tip of South Africa and that person talking on the North Pole, there is a link. One person is talking in Australia and is talking to somebody in South America, we say they are linked. How they are linked? There is a wireless link. So likewise, there is a link that Allah Ta'ala has placed in the system of dunya between what we do and what goes on with us. How we conduct ourselves and what conditions prevail upon us. Allah Ta'ala has placed the system between A'mal and Ahwal. A'mal means actions, deeds. And Ahwal, conditions. There is a link between A'mal and Ahwal. And in many many Ahadith, many Ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, this is something that has been explained very clearly. That when there's good actions, there's good a- 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 a'mal, then there's good ahwal. We've discussed many incidents previously. The incident of the people of Sabah. They were enjoying all the benefits and the bounties from Allah Ta'ala. They had lush gardens. Everything was fine. غفور, everything was going fine. But then Allah Ta'ala says, فأعرضو, They turned their backs onto Allah Ta'ala and when they turned their backs onto allah taala meaning on the commands of allah taala on the teachings of the nabi of allah taala then that was the amal they did the wrong amal so then the negative ahwal came fa arsalna alayhim al arim then the floods came upon them and wabaddalnahum allah taala then says that we gave them in place of that lush gardens some pawny trees And bitter fruit. Everything was all gone. Now what changed it? Outwardly one flood changed it. But what brought the flood? So the scientists will tell you that okay this happened because of that. The flood what happened? Why did the flood come? They'll say you know the atmospheric pressure somewhere was more and somewhere was less and somewhere it created some other effect and therefore there was a very severe storm and the storm created a overflow of water and then the flood came but then what created that atmospheric pressure to change from one thing to the other see now there was extra snow on the mountain tops and that all melted and that filled the rivers to more than what its normal capacity is and then that came down in flood or there was some crack in the ocean floor and then the water got sucked in and then the whole thing turned out again And that became a tsunami and it wiped out thousands of people and hundreds of thousands of people. But what cracked the ocean floor? So the scientists, their whole effort that they make is to try and find out how things happened outwardly in terms of the apparent means, how things happened. They go to the last effort that they can make to try and find out what was the process by which something happened. But then this is the tragedy of science that after coming to a point where they will come to a point that this happened because of that and that happened because of something else and this was the reaction to some other issue and they'll come to some point where then they will try to disprove that this was the doing of Allah Ta'ala. This is the whole effort of science to tell you how it worked And to try and tell you that this wasn't the doing of Allah Ta'ala Na'uzubillah. This is the sum total of science. They will tell you everything. But at the end, no, there is Na'uzubillah, no creator that created this. It all happened with one so-called big bang. It seemed like they banged their head on the wall somewhere and they can't think straight. That this whole universe, one big bang brought this whole universe. And brought about this perfect system, the sun rising and setting any time of the year. It's got a fixed time, today the date that has been fixed for the sunrise, next year today will be, this date will be the same time, and this has been carrying on for ages, without one second difference, the moon shining, and the stars, and then the entire system of the planets, then coming down onto earth itself, all the things that function on earth, how the human body functions, the last detail of it the uh, DNA and how the whole thing functions, such detailed uh, aspects that take place for one one thing that happens in the body, all this happened in one big bang. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Unfortunately, this is what science is, the, the be-all and end-all of science is, to try and work out how things work, but to, na'uzu billah, disprove that there was a creator. That there is a creator. To disprove that this was the creation of Allah Ta'ala. That this is the doing of Allah Ta'ala. This is the sum total. But we know that Allah Ta'ala is the creator. And Allah Ta'ala created this entire universe. And Allah Ta'ala is the controller of this universe. So Allah Ta'ala who is the controller, who is the creator, who is the sustainer, who is the nourisher. Allah Ta'ala has placed the system in dunya. That what one does, that is what brings about those conditions accordingly. The A'mal are the means of the Ahwal, the conditions. Now, in the conditions that come upon us, one is to try and people go to pains and to great lengths to try and amass a lot in terms of dunya. But Allah Ta'ala has placed a system where sometimes there can be something present but there is no Barkat in it. So something is visibly present, we can see it, we can hold it, we can apparently save it, whatever it is, that wealth, whatever the things may be. But there is something that is now the outward thing. But there is something inside it. And the thing inside it is Barkat. Now this Barkat is part of that hidden means. What is external? is the external means, what is visible, that is the external means, and what is in it there is the hidden means, and the real thing is the hidden part, this body is the external self, so the body is very important, person wants to walk, he wants to talk, he wants to do something, so he uses his limbs, he wants to talk, he needs a tongue, he doesn't have a tongue, he can't talk. He wants to see, he needs eyes. If he doesn't have eyes, he's blind, he can't see. He wants to hold something, he'll need hands. He doesn't have hands, he can't hold. He can't walk without legs. So the external self is important in terms of the system of dunya. Allah Ta'ala has created it such that you will need these external things, these limbs, these organs, in order to fulfill the day-to-day functions. But there is something hidden in this body. It is unseen. That is the soul. Now as important as all these external limbs and organs are but without the soul all this is lifeless. And the soul is unseen. It's hidden. We cannot see it. If a person is encased in a glass cage maybe in a glass a person is about to maybe now he's in a state of sakrat or something you can see now that this person is not going to survive and somehow they Put him into one sealed glass and now you observing now. They got all the, everybody standing around with binoculars also, though they're standing one meter away. They got very, very strong binoculars to be able to see or the microscopes or whatever else. And now they everybody is watching this person now inside this glass enclosure. That now what's going to leave him now? When he's going to die, what's going to leave him? So now they're trying to see what's going to leave him. So his death will come on its appointed time and they'll see nothing. They'll see nothing leaving. Because this is not something that is hindered by 10 inch thick walls or bulletproof chambers or any glass enclosures. <laughs> Allah Ta'ala says, wherever you are, when death the time comes, death will come and take the person. And nobody will see what left, but they'll see he's gone. They'll see this person is no more. But that what went away was not seen to us, was not visible, but that was the main thing. If that soul is there, the person doesn't have a hand, he can't hold, but he can still walk. If the soul is there, the person doesn't have legs, he can't walk, but he can still hold, he has hands. He can talk, he can listen, he can see. The real thing is the soul, the hidden thing. So likewise, the external things, these are also important, they have their use, they have their need, we have the need for them. But the real thing is, what is hidden in it, the Barkat. That is what we have to make an effort to acquire. And where does this Barkat come from? This Barkat comes to the extent that a person submits himself, herself to Allah Ta'ala, and is in the obedience of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Taala provides the barakat accordingly in whatever it is. Sometimes very dramatically, in the time of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, there were many such majizat and miracles that in that amount of food, which barely, meaning physically, it can be seen that this food maybe two three people will eat, and that will be sufficient. Has a Jabir radiAllahu Anhu comes to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when it was before the battle of the trench. And he says to Nabi sallallahu Wasallam that look, there's a little he sees the hunger, and he sees how Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam the effects of hunger are visible on him. And he says, Look, I've prepared just a little bit of food. We had one small little lamb and just some flour. So we made some little bread and this little bit of meat. Just few people with yourself, please come and share this meal. So Nabi wasallam gives the announcement that tell everybody Everybody that they are invited. And as Jabir gets extremely anxious that what's going to happen now. And he comes home running and his wife uh, first now comes to know that this whole army is coming and she gets very concerned that now we are going to be disgraced and humiliated, embarrassed that now everybody come to eat. We don't have food to give them. But then she asks that, did, Slav, did you explain to Nabi Islam how much food is available? He says, yes, I told him. He says, then don't worry then don't worry. Nabi sallallahu comes and he recites something and he puts of his Mubarak saliva into that food and into that flour and then they go on dishing out and they go on baking that making that rotis and eventually everybody, they came in in small small groups and they ate and left and the next group came and the narrator is asked that how many had eaten. He says over a thousand people And he says if it was more than that too, no matter how many they would have been, they would have eaten. And they say that after they had all partaken of the food, it seemed there was more food left over than what there was when they started eating. Now how did this happen? This is Barkat. Now sometimes the Barkat will happen in such a dramatic manner. And like this there are numerous instances. There was a little bit of water in one container. And Nabi Rasam put his Mubarak hand in it and it started coming out like a spring. And everybody filled all their containers. They used it for what they wanted. The whole army. And it became sufficient for everybody. What was this? Barakat. Now, Barakat is the thing to aspire. And where Barakat comes from? Barakat comes to the extent we connect ourselves to Allah Ta'ala. Then there will be Barakat in everything. Barkat in our life. What is Barkat in life? That one's life becomes comfortable and peaceful, serene, content, with or without the material things. If the material things are there, has come in a halal way, mashallah. that too is Allah Tara's ni'mat that too is something that we should make shukar for. And supposing by chance, if that didn't come, then too, that won't affect as we call the so-called quality of life. Sometimes that person might enjoy a far better quality of life than somebody who apparently seems to be in the lap of luxury. But that person who is outwardly in the lap of luxury sometimes is envying the person who outwardly has nothing but has life. Now that's Barkat in the life. There will be productivity in the life. The person will be productive to himself, to his family, for the community, for the ummah at large. The person will be Mm. doing things that will benefit oneself, benefit others. Now this is productivity. That is part of barakat in the life. There will be barakat in the time. That in little time, a person will be able to achieve a lot. If you look into the lives of Kabir, Highest predecessors of oh Ahlullah, they also had the same 24 hours in the day that we have. But the amount of work that they did and they left behind the kitabs they wrote, the work they did, presently, Hazrat Maw Ashafali Ali Rahmatullah for example, one man, the amount of work that he did, he's passed away now almost 150 years ago, They are still complete and major academies, whole whole academies that have been established to keep working on the work that he has done. Somebody is gathering all the things from his books, etc., and putting it in on on one subject format. Somebody is doing something else. Somebody is one person. The work he did. Entire academies are still involved in that work alone, and with all the technology that we have, they didn't even have electricity. They didn't even have the basic luxuries that we enjoy nowadays. And in that time and age, they did all this work. So, what is this? This is Barkat. And likewise, Barkat in one's wealth, Barkat in one's health, Barkat in one's uh, life. As we explained, there'll be this happiness in life. There'll be, without even bothering about the other issues, that yes, there are challenges in everybody's life. All these things carry on, but despite that, there will be a contentment, there will be a serenity, despite whatever the conditions may be. Where does all this come from? From barakat. And where barakat comes from? When a person is connected to Allah Ta'ala. There is this incident mentioned in e Sadaqat. Hazrat Shaykh Rahmatullali has written this incident just to highlight this barakat. There was one person, so he had three brothers So these four brothers together and now the father became very old. The father became very sick. So now the one brother said to the other three brothers that look let's do a deal. Either you take care of our father do all the work for him all the khidmat etc. And when he passes away I will take the estate. The entire estate I will keep it. And if you want, we do it the other way around. I will keep, I will do all the service, all the khidmat. I will look after him. I will nurse him. And when he passes away, you keep the entire estate. We perhaps discussed this incident before, but just to get the lesson again. So in any case, they agreed. They were very happy. Why must we now take all the work on our head? He is ready to do the work. And we must keep the estate, all the money, all the wealth, all the belongings. So why should we now refuse such an offer? Now they were looking at external things. And he was looking at something beyond the external. This is my father. I will make his khidmat. Allah Ta'ala will be happy. It is my parents right as well. And then Allah Ta'ala will be happy. That is the main thing. And then when Allah Ta'ala is happy, Allah Ta'ala will make everything come right for me also. Now he dedicated himself to his father's khidmat, and the others were not interested, Now That we got chutti now, we got holiday, we can carry on. So he dedicated himself to his father's khidmat. And time went on, eventually the father passed away. And the father passed away, so he gave away the entire estate, all the belongings, everything to his brothers, because that was the agreement he made. He didn't keep any share for himself. So they took everything away and he's left with nothing. And all this while he was busy looking after his father, so he didn't have anything now, he was down and out. So some time went and he's really in difficult circumstances. One day he sees a dream. And in the dream he's being told, now Nabeesalam is explaining this to the Sahaba That this is a person from the some of the, from the people before Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, one of the nations before. So he sees in the dream that he's being told that in a certain place there are hundred dinars, hundred gold coins. You may go, you may fetch it, it's yours. He's being told the description, the detail in a dream. So, it is his. But immediately the question he asks is that is there barakah in it? So he's told no, there's no barakah in it. So he says, no barakat in it, I don't want it. And he wakes up in the morning, he tells his wife, this is a dream I saw. So She says, hey, go, bring it and come. He says, no, but no barakat in it. He says, what barakat do you want? 100 dinars, 100 gold coins, 100 rands, 100 rands in this time, that will amount to how much? So, in any case, he refused. He says, no, I'm not going to get it. The next night, he sees a dream, he told this ten dinars there now. But there was hundred the first day, now there's ten. You can go and fetch it. It's yours. He asks, Is there barkat in it? Say no no barkat. So yeah, I don't want it. The third day he asks, Is there his see the same dream? He says one dinar there, one gold coin. Is there barkat in it? Say, yes, there's barkat in it. So next morning now he wakes up and he goes and he finds it exactly where it was. Explained to him. So it was now not in anybody's private property or anything. So it was his, it was explained to him in a dream. He went, he took it. As he is returning with that one dinar, somebody is selling two fish. So now there was hardly food at home to eat, so he buys the fish with that one dinar. The person says one dinar of the two fish, he buys the fish and comes. Comes home and he splits the fish. In the belly of each fish, there is a priceless pearl. unique pearl. Now, Allah Ta'ala is the controller. Allah Ta'ala is the sustainer, Allah Ta'ala is the nourisher, Allah Ta'ala controls the hearts of people also. So on the one hand, Allah Ta'ala put that pearl in the belly of that fish. It might all sound like a lot of coincidence, that now he was coming one dinar, and just at that time, somebody was selling two fish on his way. That person didn't go some other road to, look, to sell the fish, he was on his pathway. And he happened to pass by, so he bought the fish outwardly a coincidence and then of all the fish in the ocean in the belly of these two fish there was pearls you don't find pearls in the belly of fishes but in these two fish and both the fish that this person was selling there was one pearl in each fish outwardly it sounds like all these are all coincidences but it's all in the control of Allah Allah is the doer Allah controls the universe Allah controls the happenings on earth so any case now, he found these two pearls. The controller is Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala put it in the heart of the king of the time. That I need to buy a pearl. It must be something unique. It must be something very, very astounding. So now his people went out looking. They came to know if this person got a pearl. Or oh, he somehow knew that they trying to buy a pearl. He went to them and showed them the one pearl. That this is what I have. They saw it. They knew that this is something priceless any case in the negotiation they finally bought that pearl in the price they paid was 30 mule loads donkey loads of gold in other words 30 donkeys how much of gold you can load upon them so maybe one donkey will carry more than 50 kgs of gold now 50 kgs of gold and then multiply that by 30 so now that's like 15 uh, well 50 kgs. That will be now one and 1,500 kgs of gold. Can we imagine 1,500 kgs of gold? So, any case, they bought they uh, bought that pearl. Gave him this 30 mule loads of gold and came. The king saw this pearl and he says, "This is unique. Never saw something like this." Now, Allah Taala put another thought in his heart. Allah Taala is a controller. Allah Taala is a doer that you know what, this pearl is priceless, is unique, but it doesn't look right just on its own. It needs to have a second one with it, a pear. Then it look right. Now they came back looking for him, that do you have another one, we prepared to pay even double the price. Finally they bought it for double the price. Now another 60 mule loads of gold. So in total, these two pearls were sold for 90 mule loads of gold. And where did this come in lieu of? One dinar. One dinar he bought both fish, and now he's got 90 mule loads of gold. But what was the question he asked? When he was given 100 dinars, there's no barakat, I don't want it. There was 10 dinars, I don't want it. There's no barakat in it, I don't want it. One dinar, there's barakat, okay, I want the barakat. So now the barakat came in this dramatic manner. 90 mule loads of gold. That will amount to billions of rands today. Maybe 2, or 3 billion rands. Now what he was concerned about was Barkat. And Barkat comes Now this hundred dinars wasn't haram. The first time he wasn't told that this is haram. He was just told that there is no Barkat in it. Now if there is no Barkat in something which is though sometimes not haram and that too a person doesn't want to touch can we imagine there being any Barkat in that which is haram? That is something without Barkat entirely. Now one is Barakat in terms of wealth. That a person, how he earns it, he earns his wealth correctly, That Allah Ta'ala gives him Barakat in this manner. Sometimes in this dramatic manner, and sometimes in a more hidden way. He might not see the quantity increasing, but he'll get the full benefit of it. It'll make his life a pleasure. It'll become a means of earning the Akhirat. It'll make things happier for him. Now this is Barakat. But likewise, barakat comes with action. One is earnings. But our deeds, a person who does good deeds will have barakat in his life. There will be a lot of barakat. There will be that goodness in life. And at the same time, the opposite applies that if a person is indulging in haram, or whatever that might be, somebody is indulging in some haram contact with someone, chatting on the social media with some non-mahram or whatsapp or whatever the case is, getting involved in some illicit contact with somebody or listening to something haram, music, ghibat, whatever else, looking at haram, involved in all kinds of vices in the, on the phone, on the internet, or whatever else, or going to haram places. There is intermingling, there is music and there is other things taking place which is wrong. Or whatever other haram actions there might be. What this does, it starts sapping away the Barkat from one's life. From one's day. From one's happiness. From one's contentment. From one's productivity. From everything. The Barkat starts going away. Now the person is living a miserable life. All the things are there. The means of comfort are there, but the comfort is not there. Asbabe rahat aur hai, rahat aur hai. As Hazrat Umar Panipuri Sahab, used to explain this: that one is the means of comfort, the other is comfort itself. The means of comfort is something else that is external; comfort is internal. That is why sometimes a person doesn't have any means of comfort and is very comfortable. And some person sometimes has the best means of comfort and is not comfortable. Because internally there's a turmoil. So now he's totally restless. And somebody is completely at peace and content without the things also. So, this is the real thing, Barkat. Now we want Barkat in everything. Barkat in our life, Barkat in our relationship with our parents, with our siblings, with others. We want Barkat in our hearts and minds. That this heart and mind must be positive. Must not get overwhelmed with the challenges. Challenges are part of dunya. Challenges are part of dunya. This is life. There will be sometimes sickness. There will be health. There will be wealth. There will be poverty. There will be sometimes some, Allah forbid, some calamity that befalls sometimes from time to time. Allah protect us and save us. Allah Ta'ala keep us in afiyat. Sometimes we get some warnings. There was a tremor which many people really felt very strongly and it shook many people. It shakes the whole earth. Why won't it shake the heart of a person? Now, These are things we should take a lesson from that we need to turn to Allah Ta'ala for protection from the azab of Allah Ta'ala. And now these things happen in dunya nevertheless. Dunya is dunya. So all these ups and downs carry on in dunya, we should keep asking for afiyat, ask for safety from every test and trial and from the calamities, but at the same time, when there is barkat in a person's life, then a person is not overwhelmed by the ahwal, which sometimes comes as a challenge. To start off with, Allah Ta'ala will keep the person positive because positive ahwal will come. And if there is some test in that to Allah Ta'ala will keep him positive. He won't be overwhelmed. Because this is from Allah Ta'ala's side to elevate his status and position and rank. So Allah Ta'ala will put the test, Allah Ta'ala will put the tolerance and the sabr and the patience and the positivity also in it. But we must keep asking for afiat and keep asking for safety from any trial and tribulation. But in any case, the lesson in all this is that we need to aspire for Barkat. We need to look for Barkat. We need to do things that will bring Barkat. Like this person now, outwardly was making a lot of sacrifice and losing out on a lot of enjoyment. Everybody else were moving around freely. They had no responsibility and he is engaged in his father's khidmat. So now listening to one's parents, being obedient to them, confining ourselves to their direction, not being uh, rude towards them, not being disobedient to them. Now, this is in a way confining a person. It seems to restrict a person. It seems to sometimes deprive a person of many things that one that seems to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. Now, here this person. Now the parent said, "No, you're not going there." He said, "Okay, fine, I'm not going." Or oh, you're not going to be. Or oh, you do this. Okay, I'm ready to do this. Outwardly, he's getting deprived of a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. But now this sacrifice, like this person now, he confined himself to his father. I am not going anywhere. I am going to make my father's khidmat. I am going to be of service to my parents. I am going to be... doesn't matter, I sacrifice the dunya, but I am not sacrificing burqat. So any case, initially dunya is dunya. It's a test. So initially there was some test. He was in difficult circumstances. Didn't have good food to eat. Didn't have decent clothing to wear. And life is carrying on, but... But then now when he passed the test, in dunya, Allah ta'ala blessed him with barakat in such a dramatic manner. So the barakat will come. It will come sometimes in a subtle way, sometimes in an open way, but barakat will come. And the real thing is barakat. But now this person persevered. He stayed firm. He did the right thing. When he did the right thing, the right thing brought the right ahwal. The right amal, brought the positive ahwal conditions. And sometimes a person is doing all kinds of haywire things, all kinds of wrong, and the person thinks what happened? Nothing happened. Life is carrying on. What? They keep talking about all these things. So life seems to be very fine. Everything is going on well. I'm still carrying on with chatting haram and I'm listening to haram and looking at haram and who says there's a problem. But in the meantime that barakat is getting sapped. And Allah forbid. then the time comes when the respite now has run out and the person didn't take heed the person didn't make Tawbah the person didn't turn to Allah and continued with the wrong then it snaps in one moment that rope snaps in one moment and the person now is strangling so then it's now too late so now is the time to come back to Allah to make that firm resolution within ourselves to turn to Allah beg his help that from now on I will only do that which is pleasing to Allah Ta'ala because this is what brings barkat. what I need is barkat, this is what I am going to work for. Then we will see how our lives will become content, will become serene, will become happy and we will see the good of dunya and akhirat. In the akhirat what we will see, that is beyond imagination. So in all our actions, even in our thoughts, to bring barkat in our thoughts, we only entertain good thoughts. Shaitan will whisper all kinds of things. But when Shaitan whispers something negative, we want Barkat in our heart. We want Barkat in our thoughts. We immediately turn our heart to the Zikr of Allah. Zikr e qalbi. From the heart, Allah, Allah, Allah. From the heart, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. Now the heart also, Barkat comes into the heart. Now that heart starts also generating good thoughts. That's a Barkat. So in everything we want Barkat. We want Barkat in our relationship with our parents. When barkat will come in that, we'll enjoy a happy relationship with them. We want barkat in our, in our life, in our health, in everything. We'll see the barkat. Allah Ta'ala will grant it. This is Allah Ta'ala's promise. This is part of the hidden system. As we explained, there's an external system. You work for this, you'll get that. But there's a hidden system. You do the right a'mal, you'll get barkat. And barkat is a real thing. Barkat is what we have to aspire for. May Allah wa ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq and grant us the best of dunya and akhirat allah ta'ala grant us his pleasure his raza and remove every difficulty with afiyat wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahirabbil alamin allahumma lakal wa anta muhammadan sallallahu wasallam, bima ahlu ربنا ولمنا انفسنا ويللا تخيلنا وترحمنا لنا كوننا من الخاسرين ربح فرور هم وعفو وتكرم وتجاوز عمنا تالمنا كنتل عزل الأكرم الله من نسالك من خيري ما سالك من هنبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعود بك من شرم الساعه لك من هنبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحابه المعين والحمد لله